0: Thanks for tuning in to For Justice's Sake, a personal injury podcast hosted by The Dixon Firm in Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Renee Cooper, and I'm the marketing director at The Dixon Firm. In today's episode, I'll be joined by attorney Enrique Ramos, who will help us understand more about premise liability. Thanks for being with us today Enrique.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Today's 15 second shout out actually goes to a place that we have been before, uh, but they recently were in the news. It's Chops Lobster Bar in Atlanta, Georgia and Buckhead. And unfortunately they just had a fire. So it looks like there were no casualties very few if people were able to get out, but we just want to let them know uh, because one of Rod's favorite places and we were able to go recently that uh, our thoughts are with them uh, and the people who work there who run the restaurant and we hope for a speedy recovery and get you uh, back with your doors open soon. First, a little bit of backstory. Usually when people talk about premises liability, the first thing that comes to mind is slip and fall. But there are a lot of facets to what mis- liability actually is. But here are just some general numbers from my research on what slip and fall, or sometimes called trip and fall, can actually occur within a year. So according to some research, there are about 9 million slip and falls per year, which breaks down to 25,000 falls in a day, which seems kind of like a lot. Uh, but unfortunately, only about 5% of those even go to trial. So that actually adds up to about 95 million days of work that people can potentially miss and $3.5 million loss in revenue per hour. So there is a lot that could possibly happen when a person has a case that takes them out of work or makes it hard for them to function in their day to day. So Enrique, that's what we are here to help us uh, understand and to talk with us about today. My first question is Can you give a definition of what premises liability is?
1: Sure. So, premises liability is a legal concept that typically comes into play in personal injury cases where the injury was caused by some type of unsafe or defective condition on someone's property. Now, premises liability is based in negligence, so the person injured must show the property owner was, in fact, negligent, meaning that the at fault party had a duty to the injured party breach that duty and that breach resulted in an injury. Now, just because you were injured on someone's property does not necessarily mean that the owner was negligent. You have to show the property owner knew or should reasonably have known that the premises were unsafe and still failed to take proper steps to remedy the situation.
0: What are some examples outside of slip and fall of things that could happen on the scene of a liability case like this?
1: Well, as you mentioned before, slip and falls are the most common type of premises liability. And slip and falls occur for a number of reasons being poor building maintenance, badly installed staircase or walking surface, leaky roof, uh, and more recently, snow or ice. Um, But besides that, premises liability is not limited to slip and falls. Uh, For example, if inadequate building security leads to injury or assault, you may have a premises liability claim or if there were hazardous conditions on the property, like disrepair, you may have a claim. But each case is unique and may require you to overcome certain defenses or prove certain factors, which is why it is important to speak with an
0: attorney. Mm. so I just wanna touch on, you said ice and snow are a big thing. So even in Atlanta, if it snows the (laughs) one day a year, but it ices somehow five or six times a year, if you were to say, be walking on a private property and flip because it wasn't salted. This could be something that could be looked at as premises liability.
1: It could be, especially since it was all over the news that it was going to be ice and snow and black ice. So, you know, especially for business owners it's important to clean that up and, you know get ahead of it and salt the driveway or wherever it is customers are going to be walking to make sure that you protect yourself from any premises liability claims and protect your customers from being injured. Yeah.
0: So what are examples of places most often the scene of premise liability, maybe outside of retail stores?
1: Well, in reality, premises liability can occur anywhere. Um, For example, an amusement park, uh, improper ride operation, the most common that people are aware of are height requirements so operators should know the requirements to prevent children or others who don't meet those requirements from harm this is why you see your height requirement warnings before you ride your favorite roller coaster uh, carnival employees the same you know they have to be trained on these warnings and make sure that someone doesn't ride the ride if they don't meet the requirements so there are certain rules and regulations that you know carnivals or amusement parks have to abide by to make sure that they're keeping their rides and their customers safe uh, so, in a nutshell, when it comes to amusement parks, you know, any kind of premises liability claim can arise out of poor maintenance, management, training, improper ride operation. Uh, just like any other premises liability case, there are d- factors that have to be evaluated to determine liability. Uh, but besides that, you know, premises liability cases can really happen anywhere, you know, businesses, homes,
0: could I claim if I got hurt in my own house that it was actual premise liability? Who would I sue in a situation like that?
1: So if it's your own house and it's owned by you and you're living in it, you probably would have known of any you know property defect that would have caused you injury. So you may not have a claim there, but if you invited someone over to your house and let's say you invited a friend over and it snowed and there was ice on your driveway, and you didn't shovel, and you didn't salt, and your friend gets injured coming to your house after you invited him. Then you know your friend would definitely have a claim. Uh, mm-hmm. So it just it really depends on the on the status. You know you can be an invitee, uh, you can be a licensee, maybe someone that's coming for business, maybe the FedEx driver you're expecting a package, and a FedEx driver is coming to your property to deliver a package, and you didn't salt your driveway, and he slips and falls. You know there may be a claim there. Uh, so. in in a number of ways and a number of things, you just have to be careful when you're inviting someone over or just, you know, make sure you're maintaining your property and most important, make sure you have insurance. Wow.
0: Yeah. That is a whole different perspective of somebody who is delivering packages or food or something coming to my house, um, gets hurt outside. I need to be careful. (laughs) So I'm going to go out and probably like check on what's going on outside my house. Um, so what if somebody is injured or has an accident at a private park? I've heard that that is a little bit different than a uh, privately owned company or location.
1: Yeah, so private parks are different um, specifically because Georgia's legislature wants it that way. Um, so there are special laws to protect areas set aside for recreational purposes, including those that are private property. And as a result of these rules, owners of parks and other recreational areas may claim that they are immune from liability for these injuries. Um, Essentially, it's just Georgia legislature's way to encourage landowners to make their land and water areas available for public recreational purposes. And in exchange for that, they're gonna limit your liability to uh, certain premises liability claims. Now, it doesn't mean that they're completely immune Um, from all claims but it's definitely tougher and you'd have to look for things like you know a willful failure to guard or warn against a dangerous condition that the owner knew about or if you're charging people to be on that property then that kind of changes changes things up a bit but either way you know whether or not a private park owner has immunity you know there's a bunch of factors and determinations that go into that so and those cases particularly, it's especially important to contact an attorney and figure out if you have a case there.
0: I was asking about private parks, but I meant public parks. Is that, does that change the question a little bit or the answer? Like something like Piedmont Park.
1: It's the same, you know, with state, with state parks or things like that, you kind of run into that same immunity. Georgia's, Georgia legislature just kind of, you know, wants people to be able to enjoy parks.
0: What kind of case do people have if something happens on public transit?
1: So when we speak on public transit premises liability, we usually refer to injuries that occur on bus stops and train stations rather than uh, on trains or in traffic accidents. So in Georgia, we have MARTA. We also have a bunch of other uh, public transit systems um, in different parts of town. And victims may be attacked on MARTA property or suffer injury in a number of different ways. And you know, if you were to suffer injury on the property of the public transit system, well then they may be held liable for that. Um, specifically in MARTA's case, they have a duty to maintain the conditions of its facilities and ensure that they keep it reasonably safe. Uh, they also have a duty to keep the area secure so that individuals will not have to worry about being attacked or physically assaulted on on their property. So there are certain duties there that When it comes to you know being at the train station or being at a bus stop and things like that that they have to abide by and that you know you may have a premises liability claim if you were attacked at the martyr train station or something of that sort
0: so you mentioned earlier about having insurance how important is it to have either personal insurance or for a company to be insured for uh a liability case like this
1: well Insurance is a great way to safeguard your personal finances from liability. If someone is hurt on your property, you don't wanna have to come out of pocket for their injuries. So not only is it important to have insurance if you are the owner of a property, but it's important to have sufficient insurance. If you're underinsured, you can end up running into the same problem and having to come out of pocket for someone's injuries.
0: So if somebody has insurance, it doesn't mean that they can't possibly be sued. It's just that they are protected for certain amounts of medical and suffering from the victim if they do have insurance. Correct.
1: So if I have a million dollar insurance policy, it is not likely that any claim is going to exceed that unless you know someone died or something like that. But if I have a $10,000 insurance policy, well then I may be in some
0: trouble. Let's use an example. Hopefully this doesn't happen to anybody, but as we saw and heard from the stats, it can happen and it does happen quite often daily. Let's say you are unfortunately, someone who was unfortunately hurt in an accident on private property. What's the first thing that they should do?
1: Well, depending on how hurt you are, call 911. Because if you're injured, you need to you need to be treated. Um, but also at the same time, you know, if police arrive at the scene and you were injured there, they'll make a report, which can be referenced later. So that's important. So for two reasons: one, for your safety; two, for the report that will be made by the, by a police officer if they were to arrive at the scene after you call nine one one. Now, whether you have any kind of claim for premises liability is fact specific. Uh, So if you want to determine whether or not your injury was a result of someone's negligence, there's certain things you have to investigate. Who owns the property? What was the condition? Why you were injured on that property? And, you know, an an attorney can definitely help you sort through all those facts and determine who is the party that's at fault.
0: And how sometimes do you know who's at fault? A standpoint it can be a lot of different spaces does the attorney look at a lot of different angles
1: yeah so you know pretty much investigation um so we if it happened at a building you figure out who's the owner of the building is there any camera footage uh, of the accident are there any witnesses uh, whose responsibility was that area that you were injured in so there are just a bunch of different factors that have to be analyzed Uh, definitely figuring out who owns the property is, you know, extremely important, which can be done uh, with some investigation and some of the tools that we use to figure out who the owner is of certain properties. And we just pretty much go from there.
0: Is there something that specifically determines if a liability case like this will settle or go to trial?
1: So it's a bunch of factors, uh, most important of which is how bad were you injured? So how bad were you injured you know I'd probably say next, you know where did the injury occur? What was the standard of care for that area? Was it you know some kind of extreme negligence? Um, so th- th- like, like I said, there's a bunch of different factors to kind of sort through and put together like a puzzle, essentially. You put all these puzzle pieces together and once you've put all the puzzle pieces together, you have a determination on you know, what kind of case you have, how much it's worth, and anything else moving on from there.
0: Lastly, are there any other aspects of premises liability that I may have missed or that you want people to know going forward to really look out for?
1: I'd probably say another area that we see often is injuries at rental properties. So. You know, we talked about being in your own home. Well, what if you're living in someone else's home? You know, what if you're renting out a property from someone? You're renting out a property from a landlord. You know, in that particular case, Georgia landlords have a legal responsibility to keep their tenants safe. They're required by law to maintain their rental properties and to keep them safe from certain types of hazards, which is why oftentimes if you live in an apartment complex, you notice they do regular inspections you know, they're doing these regular inspections so that way they can make sure the property is safe. And at the same time, you know, if you are injured on the property and you notice that there these regular inspections were not being conducted, well, then that may show your landlord may have been negligent in some way by not inspecting. Or if they did inspect and ignored any potential hazardous um, situation or defect, then again, they could bring up some kind of negligence claim if you are injured as a result of that hazardous uh, defect. You know, they at the same time, they can't be expected to know every single hazard in the entire property. So, you know, that standard is, you you know, you knew or you should have known, uh, which is why those inspections come into place. And it's important to keep track of that stuff.
0: So uh, Rod had kind of talked about this on a previous podcast dealing with structural collapse. It was right around the time that the uh, Champlain Towers fell. And there were a lot of people who I think owned and rented in that building who were hurt, missing. It was a huge tragedy. So if you are a homeowner, how do you still have the ability to look for justice from, say, a the property manager or even like a homeowners association? Are those people who also hold some responsibility if you are owning, let's say a piece of a larger building or complex?
1: I would say that question is extremely fact specific and will be difficult to answer um, just kind of broadly and and generally, I think it would depend on a lot of different factors.
0: Okay, that's a good question. And it means if that is specific, For somebody who may be listening or someone who's had that question, uh, they should just call us so that we can get the information and help them see if they have a case or not.
1: Definitely.
0: Well, thank you so much, Enrique, for taking the time to give us this information. It was incredibly thorough. And I know I learned something. And I'm sure our listeners and those who uh, will find this information throughout our website or throughout social will uh, find it incredibly impactful. And helpful. So thanks for taking the time to do this. No problem. Continue the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Dixon Firm. That's at D-I-X-O-N-F-I-R-M. And for a case referral or consultation request, click the link in our description or visit DixonFirm.com. Or you can call our not so new, but still shiny phone number 888-Dixon11, which is 888 349 66 One one. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe for justice's sake. And we will talk with you next time.